someone else who has used philosophy for their own development or who has spoke about how philosophy is applicable to our development. When we go back between the three, three to 500 BCE, we face the creation who was arguably one of the greatest minds to ever live, and he was a teacher, he was a guide, and taught his students oracle, and rarely ever wrote things down. And after his death, and after the death of his, the destruction of his academy, of his school, his students felt the need to prolong his teachings, hence rendering the existence of the Golden Verses. And so these golden verses were, they were simple. They were just moral recommendations, which were said to be exactly what Pythagoras taught his students. And so these students who were inspired to grow and wanted to engage in their self-development, if approved, they would be received by Pythagoras and they would literally be taught about self-development in his school. Let's look at it. Philosophy, the whole point of it is to live a good life. And so <clears throat> the goal was to have man become guided by his cult cultivated faculties. And Pythagoras taught this, and which gave rise to the teachings called Pythagoranism, which essentially allowed individuals to have their decisions be governed by right action. They wanted rationality, reason, they, uh, to be reasonable. This was the governor of their lives. And this demanded the individual to kind of serve and contribute to his own personal, her own personal enlightenment. And this enlightenment was essentially just looking within the self. It was just the term retrospection, retrospect, reflecting on your life, reflecting on the consequences of your actions. This is enlightenment, the process of enlightenment. This is the process of looking within oneself. Because when you turn, you turn your life into a textbook for your own self-development and you study that book, right? And so the Golden Verses had 71 lines of moral recommendations. And when we look at the 40 verse, 40th verse up to the 46th verse, we can see the embodiment of this retrospect of reflecting on your life. It says, never allow sleep to close your eyelids after you went to bed until you have examined all your actions of the day by your reason. And what I have done wrong, what I have done, and what I have omitted that I ought to have done. If in this examination you find that you have done wrong, reprove yourself severely for it. And if you have done any good, rejoice. Practice thoroughly all these things. Meditate on them well. You ought to love them with all your heart. It is, the, it is those that will put you on the way of divine virtue. So what he's saying here is every night before you go to bed, reflect on your life. Look at what you did, what you didn't do, what you wish you would have done. This isn't giving rise to the notion of rumination. It's simply retrospection. It's simply you exposing yourself to that which you've been exposed to as a means to learn and grow, which is self-development. 
right? It says, if in this reflection you find that you've done something wrong, reprove yourself severely for it. It means reflect, learn from it, have a willingness to accept your wrongs. He's saying, practice these things, practice what you preach, live the life so you shall know the doctrine. He says, meditate on them well and love them with all your heart because we all know the power of love. And by doing this, you become virtuous. And being virtuous is being good. And so it, it, it embodies, this was thousands of years ago, here using philosophy to aid them in their development. It embodies the notion of self-analysis. This is how you begin to discipline your conduct. Right? It's, it, it shows that philosophy, it's... <clears throat> the, the whole point was to live a good life, but it's not just mental and intellectual. It's not some mental analysis only. It's a way of life. Your life is the textbook that you are to study. You are a student of the university of life. And so retrospection is that means to understand ourselves. It's that key that unlocks the door that allows us to know thyself. And so if you, the student, are dedicated, if you're not dedicated, as time progresses, you'll fall behind in your studies. Right? And so... Applying philosophy to your self-development becomes a way of improving your conduct, right? It's you, by a series of decisions, you now become qualified to learn. You become admitted into the school. That's what that is. Your willingness to accept, your willingness to grow, your love to grow is you being admitted into that university. And upon being admitted into the university, you are taught that the duty of a good person is to venerate, respect, and live their life in the image of that which is good. It's, we're talking ultimately about you accepting your invitation to grow. Right? It's interesting because there, there's another, there's a verse in there in which talks about the, the very second line says, reverence the oath and next the heroes full of goodness and life. Because when we respect and venerate that which we think to be somewhat superior to, us, superior to us, we mold ourselves to be like that which is superior. And so <clears throat> we are not talking about a hierarchy here. We're talking about that which you believe to be above you. And that which is above all of us is the good, is morality, is virtuous, is ethics. Right? And so our heroes usually embody these things that we wish to be. And where our heroes are, our allegiances. Right? And that which we believe to be better than us, we instinctually will become. Because you become a product of what you attend to. That's why the, uh, your exposure to things is crucial. It's incredibly important. And it, it, it embodies the notion that of hardships, right? Going through the trials and tribulations of this learning process to understand yourself. Because the challenges will make you a better person. We're not talking about idolatry here either. We're talking about what should truly, what should really be worshiped 
is illumination, is truth, is virtues, ethics, morality, character, integrity. It's us adhering to a code of conduct and seeking out the best, challenging ourselves to become the best. And by that, you refine your conduct. And again, it said, note, love these things, practice them, meditate on them and love them because loving it is the dedication and your growth begins with dedication. It's a beautiful thing when we realize the coupling of discipline and purpose will equate to self-development. It's the honorable life. It's the honorable life. And so we can see that humans, from this, we are to be guided by our cultivated faculties. And it's like we said, Pythagoreanism that embodied this. Right? And so now let's take a look at the actual verses. So when we... first verse states to first worship remember that the foregoing here are sentences they're just 71 sentences and each sentence is a recommendation for you of how to live your life and it was essentially said to be all of these 71 this compendium of knowledge is said to be the curriculum that Pythagoras taught to his disciples to his passionate curious students who were infatuated with development. We're literally talking about a school of self-development in ancient Greece. And so the first is to first worship the immortal gods as they are established and ordained by the law. And so the listeners can perceive that as they wish. If they worship a god, so be it. And if they don't, they can substitute the immortal gods as that which is eternal, that which is above you. Reverence the oath, next the heroes, full of goodness and light. That's two, and we spoke about that. The third one says, honor likewise the terrestrial daemons by rendering them the worship lawfully due to them. Now this term daemons here, it's, it's later on gave rise to what we know as the term demon. But the daemon was essentially the conscience. And I forget which Greek philosopher this is attributed to. It's either Plato, Aristotle, or Socrates. And they said that the daemon was said to speak to them and guide them in their decision-making. It was that little thing within you that talks to you and tells you to do this, to tell you to do that, both good and bad. And so it's saying, worship that. Honor likewise your parents and those most nearly related to you. This one here is self-explanatory honor your family of all the rest of mankind make him your friend who distinguishes himself by his virtue out of everyone in the world make those who are virtuous your friends always give ear to his mild exhortations and take example from his virtuous and useful actions if your friends are virtuous give them your ear and listen to them let them be the example and think about the benefits of their useful actions 
Avoid as much possible hating your friend for a slight fault, right? Even if you're the closest person to you fails, do not hate them. Power is a near neighbor to necessity, verse eight. We can see from this that necessity has a specific type of value and importance that can almost be equated to that which is known as power. Nine says, know that all these things are just as what I've told you and accustom yourself to overcome and vanquish these passions. First, gluttony, sloth, sensuality, and anger. And so nine and 10 is in connection. It's basically saying, if you adhere to these verses, if you are, if you reverence the good and then reverence the people who embody the good, if you listen to your conscience, if you honor your family, if you make those who are virtuous your friends and listen to them and take them by example, if you avoid hating someone, hating a friend because they, they, they failed, then you will live your life guided by that, opposed to living your life being guided and controlled by your lower nature by your passions, by gluttony, sloth, sensuality, and anger. And for context, note that the word passions in English comes from the, the Latin word pati, which may even come from Sanskrit down, down the line, I have no idea, but I do know passions comes from the word pati in Latin, which means to suffer. And so from this, we can see how anger, sensuality, sloth, and gluttony cause suffering. The 11th verse says, do nothing evil, neither in the presence of others nor privately. This is the embodiment of integrity. Are you good only because other people are watching? Are you good only because you know it'll aid you in obtaining something? But above all things, verse 12 says, respect yourself. It's saying no matter, out of everything we've said thus far, respect yourself. So from this, we can see there's a clear importance in respecting yourself. 13th verse, in the next place, observe justice in your actions and in your words. And so when you leave from listening to this today, wherever you go, observe the justice in your words to others, to yourself, and in your actions. And do not accustom yourself to behave yourself in anything without rule and without reason. Move and act and make decisions with purpose, with a reason stray away from operating impetuously, capriciously, and impulsively. Have a purpose. That which moves you, let it be something. Have a reason to do what you do and behave and adhere to this. This is the code of conduct. But always make this reflection that it is ordained by destiny that all men shall die. Simply, essentially, live a good life for a time will come and you will die. And while you're here, it's in your best interest to contribute to the good of humanity. And that the goods of fortune are uncertain and that just as they may be acquired, they may likewise be lost. It's saying, understand that in your life, you may obtain good fortune, but it's not promised. And even if you do, you can lose it. And so it's showing the proper value of material wealth, that it is to be valued, of course, but it's not to be of the utmost value. Concerning all the calamities that men suffer by divine fortune, support your lot with patience. It is what it may be, and never complain at it, but endeavor what you can to remedy it. 
It's saying of all the hardships in life that we suffer, that you suffer, be patient and don't complain. Instead, do what you can to bring forth a solution. And consider that fate does not send the greatest portion of these misfortunes to good men. There are many sorts of reasonings among men, good and bad. Do not admire them too easily, nor reject them. But if falsehoods are advanced, hear them with mildness and arm yourself with patience. Right? Of the decisions that our friends, that the world makes, whether suspend your judgment. Don't be too quick to approve. Don't be too quick to reject. If it is bad, be patient. Execute understanding to learn and grow. Observe well on every occasion what I'm going to tell you. Right? So the next verse is, observe them well in the world. Do not let any man, either by his words or by his deeds, ever seduce you, nor lure you to say or to do what is not profitable for yourself. Consult and deliberate before you act, that you may not commit such foolish actions, for it is part of a miserable man to speak and to act without reflection. But do the thing which will not afflict you afterwards, nor oblige you to repent. Never do anything which you do not understand, but learn all you ought to know. And by that means, you will lead a very pleasant life. In no way neglect the health of your body, but give it drink and food in due measure, and also the exercise of which it needs. Now by measure, I mean what will not discomfort you. Accustom yourself to a way of living that is neat and decent without luxury. Avoid all things that will occasion envy, and do not be prodigal out of season like someone who does not know what is decent and honorable. Neither be covetous nor stingy. A due measure is excellent in these things. Only do the things that cannot hurt you and deliberate, deliberate before you do them. Never allow sleep to close your eyelids after you went to bed until you have examined all your actions of the day by your reason and what you have done wrong and what you have done and what you have omitted that you ought to have done. And if in this examination you find that you have done something wrong, reprove yourself severely for it. And if you have done any good, rejoice. Practice thoroughly all these things. Meditate on them well. You ought to love them with all of your heart. It is those that will put you in the way of divine virtue. I swear it by he who has transmitted into our souls the sacred quaterion, the source of nature whose cause is eternal, but never begin to set your hand to any work until you have first prayed the gods to accomplish what you are going to begin. It's saying here, don't act without intention. When you have made this habit familiar to you, you will know the constitution of the immortal gods and of men even how far the different beings extend and what contains and binds them together. You shall likewise know that according to law, the nature of this universe is in all things alike, so that you shall not hope what you ought not to hope, and nothing in this world shall be hidden from you. You will likewise know that men draw upon themselves their own misfortunes voluntarily and of their own free choice. Unhappy they are. They neither see nor understand their good is near them. Few know how to deliver themselves out of their misfortunes. Such is the fate that blinds humankind and takes away his senses. Like huge cylinders, they roll back and forth and always oppressed with innumerable ills. For fatal strife, natural, 
pursues them everywhere, tossing them up and down, nor do they perceive it. Instead of provoking and stirring it up, they ought to avoid it by yielding. O Jupiter, our father, if you would deliver men from all these evils that oppress them, show them of what thy diamond they make use, your conscience. If you would deliver men from all evils, the solution to evils is to listen to your conscience, the importance of it. Your conscience is important, listen to it, because it's the solution to all of the evils. Notice on 54, it says, you shall likewise know by you adhering to this code of conduct and living the life, you will understand that most people, our species, we, we birth our own misfortunes by our decisions of our own free will. And then we become happy, right? And we don't, we're not even aware that the solution to these problems, the good is near them, is near us, is within us. Few know how to deliver themselves out of their misfortunes, 56 says. Such is the faith that blinds humankind and takes away his senses. Like huge cylinders, they roll back and forth and always oppress with innumerable, innumerable ills. We cause all of our problems. Little do we know the solution is within us. Going back to 62, it shows the importance of the conscience. Show them of what daemon they make use. But take courage. The race of humans is divine. Sacred nature reveals to them the most hidden mysteries. If she imparts to you her secrets, you will easily perform all the things which I have ordained thee. It's saying here, if the mysteries of life came to you embodied by the woman, the sacred feminine, and came to you, if they were to tell you the secret to life, the hidden mysteries, they would say exactly what's in these moral exhortations. And by the healing of your soul, you will deliver it from all evils, from all afflictions. But you should abstain from the meats which we have forbidden them in the purifications and in the deliverance of the soul. Make a just distinction of them and examine all things well. Leave yourself always to be guided and directed by the understanding that comes from above and that ought to hold the reins, the understanding that comes from above, your higher faculties. Be guided by be moved by your cultivated faculties. And when and after having deprived yourself of your mortal body, right, living your life not controlled by the flesh, you will arrive at the most pure ether you shall be a god, immortal, incorruptible, and death shall have no more dominion over you.